Ruth in chapter 2, verse number 19. Uh, we will be finishing up Ruth chapter 2 today. This will be the ninth message in our Ruth series. Of course, we talked about the field in Ruth chapter 1. We've been uh, talking about, uh, uh, I'm sorry, the famine in Ruth chapter 1. and Ruth chapter 2, we've been talking about uh, the field. Of course, how Ruth uh, went forward and faced her fears by evaporating the problems. We then see she experienced excessive provision uh, of course, with enjoying protection, the two needs that her and Naomi desperately needed was provision, food, and protection, safety. And then, of course, extraordinary privilege and how she was able to enjoy even more of a privilege than what she deserved. And, of course, uh, today we'll get into express pleasure. We'll kind of transition from Ruth and what had happened into uh, uh, this field into now Naomi responding, and I think it will be a help to each and every one of us. Of course, next week we'll be transitioning into our Christmas series, and then we'll have our New Year's Day, and then, of course, our Vision Sunday, and then we'll get back into Ruth chapter 3 in January. Uh, but I hope this has been an encouragement to you as much as it has been to me, and I hope those who are visiting with us today will uh, get a special truth out of God's Word as well. And once you have found it, if you could stand to your feet, uh, for the reading of God's Word, if you're physically able to. If you're not able to stand, we understand. But Ruth, in chapter number 2, we'll just read a couple verses here, and then we'll pray, and then you can be seated this morning, give you one last opportunity uh, to stretch your legs. Our reading will be uh, in the Word of God, of course, but if you have it in your handout or on the screens, if you'll follow along silently while I read aloud, it says, And her mother, beginning in verse 19, said unto her, this is Naomi, her mother-in-law, saying to Ruth, Where hast thou gleaned today? And where rottest thou? Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. And she showed her mother-in-law, with whom she had wrought, and said, The man's name with whom I wrought today is Boaz. And Naomi said unto her, Daughter-in-law, blessed be he of the Lord, who hath not left us, left off his kindness to the living and to the dead. And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen, and Ruth the Moabitess said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that thou go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest, and dwelt with her mother-in-law. And let's pray. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you for your faithfulness to us. Thank you this morning for those who are serving, Lord, and who have served us and they're ministering, Lord. Thank you for the children and the teens upstairs. Thank you, Lord, for the nursery. Uh, thank you for, Lord, those online tuning in this morning, Lord, watching, not able to be here today. May they all know they're loved and appreciated. Thank you for those who are here, or those who are here in the 830 service, Lord, and now here in the 11 o'clock. And Appreciate this church and what it means to so many of us. Thank you, Lord. It's your church. You purchased it. And Lord, uh, Lord, we seek to glorify you. I pray you help us today as we learn from Naomi how someone who is so bitter can say blessed. And Lord, how we maybe are here today with some bitterness inside of us. Lord, some unforgiveness, Lord, maybe some frustrations from the past. Lord, we're here because we're looking to glorify you. Or may we, like Naomi, learn from the example of Ruth and from the kindness of Boaz and ultimately from you how that we can turn that bitterness into blessing. May we also learn this morning how we can, Lord, help others who are maybe going through difficult times and seasons. 
Lord, how we can better encourage them. And Lord, we can learn, Lord, ultimately the greatest gift. Lord, that all any of us can, Lord, learn as we learn that this morning as well. That can change our life. I pray you'll bless this message, Lord, be with each gift, Lord, that was given, Lord, in which each person that's here that's listening. I pray that it will be reciprocated with you and we'll be able to allow it to change our life, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated this morning. Thank you for standing. Once again, I appreciate your faithfulness uh, to church. Uh, There's a story about a girl years ago uh, was starting to grow a little bit older and getting a little bit more dependent, as sometimes young girls will, and probably in around nine or ten years old. And her mother was, was sick, very ill, and the daughter was concerned. And so uh, she remembered how her mother would oftentimes make her tea when she was sick, or she liked a cup of tea. And so the little girl decided uh, uh, that she was going to make some tea. And so she set out to do that. And with a cup and a saucer in her hand, she went up uh, to her mom's room and she knocked on the door and her mom said, come in. She says, mother, I have a cup of tea for you that I made. And of course, the mother was excited and, and she started sipping it, appreciating it and just thinking, wow, what an amazing daughter and just felt the love. And of course, the nice hot tea was going down, already started to make her feel a little better. And she said, daughter, I didn't know you knew how to make tea. And the daughter says, well, I've watched you enough, but I'll tell you what I did. She says, I got the hot water and boiled it, and and then I uh, found the leaves, and and I crushed them up, and and I put them in there. And the mother listened attentively, continued to sip her tea and enjoy it. And the girl went on and said, but I couldn't find the little strainer thing that you use. So, mother, I used the flies water. Her mother nearly spit out the tea and she explained, You used the flies water? The little girl comforted her mother's concern by explaining, Oh, don't worry, mother. I used the old flies water so I wouldn't mess up the new one. <laughs> of course, we have here a girl who is just trying to help her mother out, doing the best she could. And I feel like Ruth here this morning, she's trying to help her mother in law out, doing the best she could. Little did she know how God was working. But when she tells her story, Naomi sees that God is evidently involved. Ruth may not have clearly saw that and didn't quite understand it all. She's a Moabitess from the outside looking in and experiences day by day. But Naomi saw some things that were happening that was about ready to change their life. May I say this morning... Through the kinsman Boaz, we also have a God who loves us. And though we can't see what all he's doing, we can trust that he is doing it. May I say this morning, as Ruth is learning, Naomi saw something that changed her bitterness from last chapter, chapter 1, to now she is sharing blessings. How does that happen? How does that happen in your life and mine? when you're struggling with bitterness. Honestly, we live in a broken world. We're all sinners. Perhaps maybe you have experienced something at a previous church, or maybe a Christian at work has said something to you, and you have found out later that that was not very Christ-like, and it hurts you. Maybe you're bearing something this morning. Maybe it's fostered into a little bit of bitterness or unforgiveness, and you don't quite know what to do. 
Maybe you've caused yourself because you didn't fully understand or you don't quite comprehend all of God's ways and powers and what he can do, that you've even blamed God. What do you do? How do you respond to that? How did Naomi do that? What can we learn from her? Maybe you're sitting here today, you say, Pastor Justin, I don't feel like I have any bitterness or unforgiveness, but I sure know someone who does, and I would love to help them. What do I do? I think we can learn today how to help those who maybe are struggling with things. But may I say today, we'll also see a man who allowed God to use him. And he just did what he did on a daily basis. And because of his influence, was able to impact and change a young lady but also a tired mother-in-law. And what we do on a day-to-day basis, maybe we don't even realize that we're impacting lives for the good or for the worse. And how do we live that way? How do we do that? So I hope you can see that this message really is for everyone today. But before we go into it anymore, I want us to see, number one, if you're writing, the kindness of Boaz. The kindness of Boaz. You see, Ruth experienced something some kindness, but Naomi, through Ruth, experienced the kindness of Boaz, which is a picture for you and me today, a kindness from God. The Bible says in verse 19, and her mother-in-law said unto her, where hast thou gleaned today? Naomi understands that what Ruth has brought home is not normal. It's actually abnormal. I mean, there's no way that she should bring that much grain. She knows the laws, even in a perfect society where everybody loved God, you wouldn't bring, the cleaner wouldn't bring this much home. To contrast that with when everyone did that in his, right, in his own eyes, a wicked society, the fact that she was able to come down with any grains amazing, let alone all she did as we learned last week. And then this extra parched corn, this, this cooked corn that's left over from a meal with, with the owner of the field, that never happens. And so she is questioning Ruth, and she says, where hast thou gleaned? Where rottest thou? And before she even gets the answer, she goes on to the next thing. And it just goes to show that Boaz, who became aware of Ruth's plight when he saw her gleaning in his fields, saw her need for protection and helped her. He supplied her with extra food by dropping handfuls, of course, the other servants. And he also addressed her emotional needs by comforting her. And it goes to show that you and I today should be like Boaz. Watching out and looking at who you can help, who you can assist. The Bible says in Galatians 6 verse 2, Bear ye one another's burdens, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Who is it in your church, your neighborhood, at your workplace, in your home, that you can bear their burdens today? In fact, Ephesians 2.10 says when we do this, we are actually performing the work that God's doing in us. The Bible says, For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. And so we understand this morning that if we truly are being Christians as God would have us to, we are bearing each other's burdens. And we are fulfilling God's purpose for our life. Schultz said this, Help me, Lord, to notice the hurting, sick, and lost. Guide me as I help them, regardless of the cost. You see, God works through us to meet the needs of those around us. And as Naomi felt this, her attitude starts changing. If you remember the end of chapter number one, she says, call me Mara, for I am bitter. I have nothing good left in me. 
I have aged prematurely. I, I look a little bent over. I look like I've been through the ringer. I've lost both of my boys. I've lost my husband. I've lost my heritage, my inheritance. I've lost my, lost my means of living. I have nothing left to live for. Just call me bitter. But yet, some of the first words out of her mouth are, Blessed. Bless the Lord. How does this happen? Well, Lang said, The natural heart would have rejoiced, received, enjoyed, and inquired just as Naomi did, with no thought except of self. But here, instead of giving Ruth all the credit, she blesses the giver, which is ultimately from God. And may I say what we're going to do this week in the week of Thanksgiving is the best remedy for a hard heart, is it not? Having a thankful spirit. And then she asked this question, where hast thou gleaned today? May I encourage you today, it's a question worthy for all of us. Where are you gleaning today, teenager, young adult, middle-aged, elderly? Where are you gleaning today? What are you saying, Pastor Justin? I'm saying from a spiritual realm. The Bible says in 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. We're commanded to glean from God's word every day. Spend time with him and spend time in prayer with him and allow him to help us grow in grace. 2 Corinthians 5.10 says we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ that everyone may receive the things done into his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. One day we'll stand before the judgment seat of Christ and God will reward us on our efforts here on earth. And John 15.5 says the only way to bear good fruit is to plug ourselves into the vine. The Bible says, you are the branches. He that abideth in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. We see Naomi ask Ruth, where are you gleaning? Of course, she answers her. But may I ask you a question today? Where are you gleaning? Are you being fruitful? Are you multiplying? Are you growing in your Christian walk? And so we see, literally, Naomi goes from caring and being burdened down with cares to casting them on the Lord. Isn't that a great feeling? I, I think we all know a little bit about bearing burdens, care. There's a health issue maybe we're dealing with, a financial struggle, maybe a relationship issue. It's like, how do I bear with it? How do I, how do I handle this? You can't. You've got to cast it on the Lord, and he will sustain you. We see from caring to casting, but then we see from bitterness to blessing, and without waiting for an answer, Naomi says, Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. That word blessed is the Greek word barak, which literally means to esteem greatly or adore God for his blessings, which goes to show she was not just blessing Boaz. She was essentially blessing God. Genesis 24, verse 48, the Bible says, And I bowed down my head and worshiped the Lord. Bless the Lord God of my master Abraham, which led me in the right way. Psalms 103.1, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, and bless his holy name. See, Naomi knew and was figuring out what you and I can, that when we glean in God's field, we experience more grace than we deserve. Ephesians 3.20, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundant above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in him. And so we see this morning that Naomi was able to cast her care upon God. She was also willing to turn from bitterness to blessing. 
and we see Naomi's instruction and guidance. The Bible says in verse 20, Naomi goes on to answer Ruth, and she said unto her daughter, Blessed be he of the Lord. Warren Worsby says this about Naomi. One person trusting the Lord and obeying his will can change a situation from defeat to victory. It's encouraging to see the changes in Naomi's life because of what Ruth did. We see her bitterness turns to gratitude. Her unbelief turns to faith. Her bitterness turns to hope. Her despair turns to belief that God is in control. Spurgeon said there is no more blessed life of dependence than upon covenant-keeping God. We have no care, for he careth for us. No troubles, because we cast our burdens upon the Lord. The psalmist knew this, Psalms 55, 22. Cast thy burden upon the Lord, and he shall sustain thee. Liberation from care comes as one casts it upon God. Not because God grants every wish, but because prayer grants freedom from care. May I encourage us today, we can carry everything, or we can pray and cast it upon God, and he can bring great comfort. It's interesting here, because to this point, Naomi has potentially blamed God for her boys dying for her husband dying, for her wealth disappearing, for her provision being gone, and she has nothing left. And as she comes over that mountain and she walks down into Israel and everybody comes to meet her, she says, call me Mara, for I am bitter. But now for the first time, after experiencing from Ruth this little bit of grace from God, this blessing of food and this little bit of how her daughter-in-law has been cared for, she then realizes, well, maybe, just maybe it was God who stopped the famine. Maybe it was God who bound Ruth to Naomi in love, and maybe it was God who is now preserving Boaz for Ruth. Do you notice a change in her perspective? And may I say today, we can all do what Naomi does. We can all get bitter because we see the negative things that maybe God could have done to us, when in all reality, God is actually working behind the scenes. May I encourage you today, when you look at God, Remember that he's a good God and he doesn't want to hurt his children. But also remember that his ways are higher than ours. Therefore, what he is doing behind the scenes may seem to be hard, but in all reality, it's actually for our benefit. And we see Naomi's perspective is starting to change. She's starting to see that when she takes refuge under God's wings, things are starting to change. How can we learn from Naomi Well, when we become bitter with God, may we, instead of looking at God in the wrong light, look at him as a Jehovah Shammah, the God who is there and he ever seeks to heal and revive those with a downcast spirit. Psalms 34, 8, The Lord is nigh unto them that are of a broken heart. Malachi 4, 2, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. It's interesting here, Boaz shows his kindness. Therefore, God, in a sense, shows his kindness. And God uses Boaz and Ruth to be the the channels, if you will, for his kindness to be shown. Just like God uses you and me to be kind to other people. What's interesting here 
As Psalms 147.3 says, He healeth the broken on heart and bindeth up their wounds. You know, God can use you and me to help do that in our ministry. I remember several years ago, we had a lady that started coming to our church in Turlock, and I could tell from day one, she liked who we were as a church and where we were going, but I knew she was not going to allow me to pastor her, and I was okay with that. Sometimes it takes years to allow people to pastor you, and I, I understand that. But I could tell that, that it seemed like everything she could, she'd find a way to, to let me know. Pastor, let me tell you this. Pastor Justin, let me tell you this. Here's what you probably should do. And, and she just had a critical spirit. And it was hard sometimes to love her. I'll be honest, it was times, and it was, it was like, man, I'm trying, I'm doing the best I can. But I'll never forget seeing that as she struggled with carpal tunnel and her wrist and her hands, she could hardly move them. And there'd be times she'd be sitting in the auditorium as I'd be preaching and she'd just be grimacing in pain. And I, I, I knew it probably wasn't just because of my preaching. It was probably because she was hurting. And she was sitting there just grimacing and I could just watch her as she tried to get through a service sometimes. My heart really went out to her and I tried to love on her. I tried to care for her and Really, no, nothing ever got get thrown back, and I just thought, well, I'm just doing the best I can. I don't forget one day, I went over to her house, and she was a widow, and our yard had gotten a little bit out of control because of all that she went through, and I took my mower over, and I mowed, and I weeded, I blew everything off, and, and I, I tried to help as much as I could around that day, and helped her with some of her garbage and different things, and I never forget her coming out, and she kind of looked at me, she says, what are you doing? I said, I'm just trying to be a blessing. And it's like something broke right then. From that point on, she just started getting plugged in and helping and serving, being a huge blessing. I'll never forget the day it came for us to leave to come up here. She was crying. She said, Pastor Justin, it took me seven years to like you. <laughs> and she says, now you're my pastor and you're leaving. I'll never forget sitting there. You know, we, we cried a little bit. And I couldn't help but think that kindness finally won. I just want to encourage you today. We can't all be everything to everyone. But we all can learn how to be kind to people. We can all be patient with people. We can all listen to people. We can try to help people. And though maybe someone who's been burnt in the past or maybe some church has done this to you or I can't believe this employee who said he's a Christian did this to me and this person did that and my spouse has done this and why isn't everybody perfect? Let me give you a clue. We're sinners in need of a Savior. But I can tell you this, when we do live to please the Lord, there is a difference and it shows. And we see Boaz was able to help change his relative's heart through Ruth. Essentially, God was able to through the kindness of Boaz. We see the bitterness fading away, the blessings coming, which shows us, number two, the kinship of Boaz. The kinship of Boaz. The Bible says in verse 20, And Naomi said unto her, The man is near of kin unto us, one of our next kinsmen. Of course, Ruth is trying to figure this out, and perhaps maybe she's, still, she's heard a little bit of this and trying to piece it all together. And what, essentially what Naomi was saying it was defining the kinsman redeemer. Martin says this, Boaz was a close relative, but more than that, he was a kinsman redeemer. 
He could act as a redeemer of property and persons. He could act as a lever, or which is Latin for brother-in-law. Boaz could redeem by fulfilling the Levite law, which would require a brother of a deceased man to marry his widow and raise up a son in his name. And in a sense, Naomi could sense that Naomi wanted to be this kinsman redeemer. She could sense it. She didn't know how far he would go, and she certainly didn't think he would marry her, but perhaps maybe he was interested in marrying Ruth, and in the sense that was telling Ruth that, hey, you're welcome. You're part of this. He's accepted you. You're no, no matter, no, no more just a Moabitess on the, on the edge of things, or you're out on your own, and, and we'll find, we'll put up with you. No, no, you're inclusive. You're part of us. He wants you to be part of the family. He wants to take care of us. He wants to help meet our needs. She does not know how far Boaz will go, but she understands that a man would not be doing all these things for Ruth if he didn't have some feelings. Ruth doesn't understand all this. She can't comprehend the kinsmen. She can't maybe comprehend all the laws. But she is trusting in a God. And now Naomi is seeing God at work. And so we see not only is a kinsman redeemer defined, but we see the kinsman redeemer demonstrated. Ruth answers this. Of course, she's trying to understand and trying to comprehend, trying to sort through all this, trying to wrestle through all this. And she says this. And Ruth the Moabite said, He said unto me also, Thou shalt keep fast by my young men until they have ended all my harvest. Now Naomi knows that that is protection. Boaz is protecting her. He knows he's, he's providing for her. He knows he's given her more privilege. He, she even gets to drink water from the jars, as we talked about a few minutes ago, uh, weeks ago. She doesn't have to roll up that water from the well. She doesn't have to drink of the contaminated water. She gets the good water. She is getting extraordinary privilege. But we see that Ruth maybe not understand all this, but Naomi knew what was happening here. She knew that Boaz perhaps was going to be the kinsman. He was going to be the redeemer. And she says this, until they have ended all my harvest. Now in those days, harvest took about three months. And it would start between April and June. It was celebrated by the offering of the first sheaf of grain in Exodus 34. And by the Feast of the Harvest Pilgrimage in Exodus 23. And we saw that this was not just a one-time thing, Naomi saw. No, this was something Ruth was going to experience every day. And not just Ruth, she was going to experience. And it was showing to her... As she understood, she was trying to explain to Ruth that Boaz is probably going to be our savior, our kinsman redeemer. She's explaining all this to Ruth. And it shows this morning how Boaz was being kind once again. Years ago, there was a truck terminal where H.H. Lee worked. It was a coal company. Nearby was a railroad, and each day several freight trains would pass by. And Every day, this man would look up and see the owner on the train, and he would take coal and throw it off the trailer, right in the same spot every day. H.H. Lee would look at that and say, what in the world is he doing? But yet, every day, he would go by there and see that coal was gone and say, what's going on? So one day, he went up to that owner and says, why, why are you throwing that coal out? The owner says, well, an elderly woman lives across the street, and her pension doesn't pay all her bills. And I can tell she's getting cold. So I throw that coal out all the time. And she'll come by and collect it later. He said, but sir, this is a diesel engine. You don't burn coal anymore. 
The owner says, I know, but she doesn't know that. I throw that coal over and pretend like it falls off the trailer. And she will pick up that coal and say, wow, thank you, Lord, for caring for me. He saw that and thought, wow. He compared that to Boaz. Boaz knew what he was doing. Ruth had no idea. May I say today, God knows what he's doing in your life. And you may be picking up coals saying, wow, look how lucky I am. And God says, you're not lucky. I did that. But just keep serving me. And I'll just keep taking care of you. Will you let God be your kinsman redeemer this morning? Is God enough for you? Say, well, I want to do things on my own. It's my life. I want to do it. Okay, go do it. See how, 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 how it comes out. I mean, Naomi was doing that for a while, and she turned bitter. But when Ruth understood, there's something good about that God, and I want it. God was taking care of Ruth, and in a sense, taking care of Naomi. And in the same way, the people whose lives we touch need to experience God's love through our compassion and generosity. Henry Bosch said this, Do a deed of simple kindness, though its ends you may not see. It will reach like widening ripples down a long eternity. Kindness is the oil that takes the friction out of life. Don't you like it when you have that car door that's getting a little bit, you know, uh, uh, out of uh, lubricant? You know, I remember there was a day when I, 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 one of our front doors would, would just squeak, and it seemed like every morning the kids would hear it and get up. Ugh. I would go out for my walk in the morning, and I'd think, man, i got to fix that. And, of course, get busy throughout the day and before long. And I'd go, hey, Daddy, what's going on? Ah, you know. Alicia, thanks so much, you know. You oil that thing, and it's right what it needs to be. I think sometimes we don't understand it, but our kindness is like that in people's lives. It helps them. Helps them see that maybe there is a God. And when the gospel is presented, they're maybe a little more receptive because of the way that we live our lives. Which brings us to number three, the clinging of Ruth. Ruth now has to make a decision. Naomi basically lets her know that, hey, help is coming. A deliverer is coming. A savior is coming. Now you have to make a choice. Ruth probably can't comprehend all that and doesn't understand all that, just like maybe you and I today. Maybe you're sitting there and you say, I can't quite understand all this. I can't quite comprehend all that God's doing. I'm learning. I'm growing. Maybe I'm new to all this. I'm a new Christian. I'm, I've been trying to read my Bible. I've been trying to pray, but I'm trying to sort through it all. What do I do? I think we all need to have a clinging like Ruth does, a trusting Who does she cling to? Well, the Bible says in verse 22, And Naomi said unto Ruth, her daughter-in-law, It is good, my daughter, that they go out with his maidens, that they meet thee not in any other field. So she kept fast by the maidens of Boaz to glean unto the end of barley harvest and of wheat harvest, and dwelt with her mother-in-law. She tells her mom that, Hey, I have this invite by Boaz to be with me all the harvest. What should I do? Her mother-in-law says, It's good for you. To cling to him. It's good for you. It's going to turn out good. You need to stick with it. She kept fast is a word for the back. I taught on this a few weeks ago. It means sticking like glue. 
It means you become almost part of it. It's, it's who you are. And in a sense, Naomi was saying, you stick close to Boaz's field and he'll keep protecting you and he'll keep giving you extra permission and he'll keep providing for you. Everything will be just right. Just keep close. Don't wonder. Don't get in another field. Don't not go. Just keep going after it. And may I encourage us today as Christians to never drift from God. Keep close to him. Stick to him like glue. Hebrews 11.25, choosing rather to suffer affliction with God, with the people of God, than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. 1 John 2.17, the world passeth away, the luster of, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. And teenagers, if I can just say this, it's not worth leaving God. It's not worth drifting. Young adults, sometimes we get tempted, we get pulled on, we get tried to pull away. Don't do it, it's not worth it. You can enjoy those sins for a season, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. I'll encourage you. I'm thankful. I've not done everything perfect. I've tried. I've tried to please the Lord. But I am thankful I've made decisions here and there that are very difficult, rustling things, and I feel like turning points in my life. And I'm thankful that I kept putting God first. May I encourage you, young people and maybe newer Christian, and maybe those who have been at it for a while, don't stop, keep on sticking close to God. But then we see she also clung to her mother-in-law. Constable said, Ruth is now getting what she needs. She could very easily run away from her mother-in-law and say, okay, I'm done helping you out. You've got me where I needed. I'm getting the blessing. Good luck. She could have partied and done her own thing and went to run away, but instead she says, no, 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 I want to stick close to my mother-in-law. Stick close to those people I've committed to. And then third of all, we see she stuck close to the master. You don't quite see it in this verse, but you see something happening here. It's a picture. Roy Hessian says, applies the concept of kinsman redeemer writing, To conclude this chapter, we remind ourselves that the Hebrew of old did not have to wait until the year of Jubilee to have his lands restored and set himself free from slavery. Back in those days, if you had debt or if you didn't have anything and and you had these bills and and you'd have to wait, you'd have to pay it off until the year of Jubilee and then it'd be forgiven. But what what God is trying to say here uh, to Ruth is that, hey, you don't have to wait you can come now and be redeemed. Boaz will, will take care of you now. You don't have to wait till the Jubilee. And I want to encourage us all today, this applies to you and me. You see, we all have one thing in common. We all have a sin nature. The Bible says, for all have sinned. We all have a sin nature that's keeping us from God. We have a debt that is too much to pay. And you can say, well, I'll try to pay for it. I'll try to hold out. I'll do my best. I'll do good things. I'll, I'll try, try to give some money. I'll try to be faithful to church. I'll try to do all those things. And God says, no, no, there's nothing you can do. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But there's something that was done for you. The gift of God's eternal life is Jesus Christ the Lord. Do you realize this morning what Ephesians 1 and verse 7 says, in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave. You and I today have a choice we too must make like Ruth had to. Will you accept the gift of God, which is the cross, what Jesus Christ did for us, the blood he shed, or will you say, nope, I'm going to do it on my own. 
May I say, Ruth's life would not have ended up very well had she done her own thing. God was working in her life. And I want to encourage you and I today to understand what Jesus Christ did for us on Calvary. You see, God created us, but we strayed from him. Wherefore is by one man sin enter the world and death by sin. So death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. And because of that, we must be redeemed. We must be purchased. Our sin debt must be paid for. What does that look like? Well, I'll seek to illustrate it this year. Years ago, there was a little boy, and he built a sailboat. He spent some time on it, carving it, and sanded it down. And, and he had a few blemishes there, and didn't quite turn out exactly like he wanted. But he painted it, and kind of covered it all, and it turned out to be looking pretty good. He was so excited about that boat. He went down to the river, a little creek there, and he put it in there, and it started floating. He was so proud of that boat. He thought, I'm going to do this every day. But to his dismay, there was a brisk breeze that came, and that boat started flowing down the creek. And he ran, and he ducked, and he went around the trees, and he, he got it to it, and it went around the bend, and it kept on going, and he lost it. It started flowing down through the community, and he was so discouraged, so disappointed. He came back home, and his mom says, what's wrong? He was crying. He says, Mom, he says, I made a boat. She goes, how did it turn out? He goes, I think too well, because it, it went too fast. I lost it. I put so much work into that boat. I love that boat. I made it just like I wanted it, and I painted it and everything. The mom says, well, it's okay, son. We can always, maybe, maybe you can make another one. A few days later, he's walking down through town, and he looked up in a store window of a, 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 of a consignment shop, and there was his little boat on display. He was so excited. He walked in that, opened the door, the little bells jingled, and the, the proprietor came up and said, I help you, son. He says, yes, sir, you have my boat. It's in the, it's in the, the window there. The man looking over there and says, oh, that boat. I just bought it recently, and it's for sale. You want it? You can pay me for it. He says, no, sir, you don't understand. He said, that's my boat. I made that boat. And you see those nicks there? You see that, that sand there? You see that paint job there? I did that. I spent hours on that. It's my boat. Can I have it back? And the proprietor says, no, no, son, you don't understand. I paid for that boat, and it's for sale. You can have it if you pay me for it. Little boy was so dejected. He walked home, and he just started thinking, how am I going to do this? I have no money. That day he started, he got his rake out and he started raking leaves and he started help passing papers and he did everything he could. He did chores and every little penny he got, he would scrap it together. And finally one day he had exactly enough. He walked up to that store and opened that door and that little bell jingled and the proprietor looked up and says, can I help you, son? He says, I want that boat. He says, I told you, son, that's not your boat. That's mine. He says, I have the money. The proprietor says, okay, you can have it. He counted out those pennies and came up to the exact amount. The man grabbed that boat and says, here it is. That little boy took off and it was heard him saying this. Boat, I'm so glad you're here with me again. You're my boat. You're twice my boat. You see, first of all, you're my boat because I made you. And second of all, you're my boat because I bought you. And you're twice mine now. May I say today, if you think that you aren't worth much, if you think you're cheap, just remember that what God thinks of you. He thinks of you as his. You're twice his because he created you 
and he was willing to buy your sin debt so that you don't have to go to hell. I'll never forget as a young boy when I understood this concept and I realized I was a sinner in need of a savior. My pride was in my way. Like the rich young ruler, I wanted to do it on my own. But I realized nothing I could do. It had to come through Jesus Christ. I'll never forget as a young boy when I came forward and accepted Christ as my savior. And it was the greatest feeling in all the world. You see, not only did God create me, he redeemed me. But we also see in Ephesians 1, verse 3, the Bible says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Do you understand this morning that there is more and more ways that God wants to bless us? Will you remain faithful to him? Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. Perhaps maybe there's somebody that would say, you know, Pastor Justin, that boat, what Jesus Christ did for me, wow, I didn't realize. I didn't realize my sin debt was keeping me from God. I didn't realize that I needed Jesus. I didn't realize that the sin debt was too much, that I can't pay for it. I've tried church. I've tried this and that. I've tried everything, but nothing seems to work because the only thing that will work is the precious blood of Jesus Christ. May I encourage you today to come to Jesus. Do you believe that? Will you accept that? With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to give you that opportunity. If you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior today, I will not embarrass you. I will not point you out. I just want to see you so you can lift up your hand. With heads bowed and eyes closed, I want to say, Pastor Justin, That's me today. Will you pray for me? I want Jesus in my life. Just raise your hand real quick. I want to pray for you this morning. Is there anybody today that would say, Pastor Justin, I need to know for sure I'm going to heaven. Say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm saved. But I'll be honest with you. I have some bitterness in my heart. I have some unforgiveness in my heart. I have some frustration in my heart. I have some hurt in my heart that I'm been keeping and holding on to will you pray for me today that me like Naomi I'll turn my bitterness in from blessing will you pray for me this morning with heads bowed and eyes closed I will not embarrass you no one's looking around would you just slip up your hand real quick and put it down God bless you all over maybe you say Pastor Justin not only do I have this bitterness or maybe you're sitting there today say Pastor I don't feel like I have any bitterness I don't feel like I'm holding on to anything but I know someone who does. And God's put someone on my heart to be kind to this week. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me that God will help me as I minister to them? If that's you, we slip up your hand. I want to pray for you. God bless you. I see those hands. Maybe there's someone today that would say, Pastor Justin, I don't have bitterness. I don't really know someone in my life that's bitter. But I do know that like Boaz, I want to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit's promptings in my heart. And I want to live my life in such a way that maybe I'm helping someone who I don't even know I'm helping. I don't want to rush by someone. My brother TJ mentioned that this week in staff meeting. I, I want to walk slowly. I want to be available for people. And it really spoke to my heart. Sometimes we can get so busy in our day that we forget to just be there for people. How many say, Pastor Justin, will you pray for me? I want to be used of God to help someone who I may not even know is hurting. If that's you, will you slip up your hand? God bless you all over. And then last but not least, maybe there's someone today that would say, Pastor Justin, I'm not bitter, I'm not upset, 
but I am going through something right now. It's heavy. It's hard. I'm struggling. It's a health issue, financial issue, relationship issue, work issue, and it's really bothering me. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me today? If that's you, please slip your hand. I want to pray for you. Lord, you see the hands. You know the hearts. Lord, I hope we can take something from this message today and, Lord, help ourselves or help others. Lord, but there's some who are just bearing down with the burden and may it not turn into too much for them. You know exactly what we can handle. You will make a way for an escape, you said. So I pray you help us today. May we respond to the message that you'd have us to. Lord, many people raise their hands today. I know you're working. But I pray that people will respond like you'd have them to. May you help people today. May they give some things to you. May you put some people on their heart. Lord, may they cast some things onto you. May some bitterness be turned to blessing. May you do what only you can today in Jesus' name. Amen. If you could stand to your feet, the piano's playing. Maybe you raised your hand. Now's the time to respond. The altars are open. If you'd like to come forward, may I encourage you to spend some time with God. That's what this time's all about. Just some time you can come and pray. You say, Pastor Justin, I'm new to the church. I'd like someone to pray with me. I just don't know what to do or say. Just come forward. We'd love to talk to you. Maybe you'd like to follow Lord in baptism. We'd love to talk to you about that today. Maybe you'd like to know for sure you're going to heaven. You want to get that settled. We'd love to talk to you today. Maybe you'd like to join the church. We'd love to help you in that area. May I encourage you to respond to the message today as God would have you to as the piano plays. You may be seated. Uh, we just have a quick video we want to share with you today, some upcoming events, um, be a little more clear on the details. So I hope you'll enjoy that. And I hope you know God loves you and this pastor loves you and I hope you have a great week. Let's watch this video. Good morning and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's service was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for another sermon from our pastor, Justin Lehman, as well as the Sunday School Teachers Meeting, which will be held during the evening service. Don't miss our Pie and Pray service on Wednesday, November 22nd at 7 p.m. Come and enjoy a slice of pie as we celebrate all that we have to be thankful for this year. Grandview Christian Academy will be holding a special benefits concert on Tuesday, November 28th at 7 p.m. Come support our fall fundraiser as we enjoy the musical performances of our students. The 2024 senior class of Grandview Christian Academy will be selling Christmas trees this week to raise money for their senior trip. 
The Noble Furs are available for purchase today after the service or Monday and Tuesday after school for $50 and are located behind the auditorium. Pull around to the back parking lot and we'll be happy to help you get loaded up. For questions or more information, please text or call Madison at 503-878-3606. Join us for a wonderful opportunity to help your child sing and develop their voices through our 2023 Children's Christmas Choir. This is for children 5 years old through 6th grade. We will be performing during the Love Was Born a King program on December 8th at 7 p.m. and Sunday, December 10th at 11 a.m. Bring your children to the Sunday evening services at 5 for practice. Don't miss our Level Up teaching and training modules next Sunday night, November 26th. Come and choose two of the sessions from the lineup and join us for the special training time with something for every Christian. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the Connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we'll see you tonight at 5. And let's pray together and we'll be dismissed. Father, thank you for your loving kindness. Thank you for showing us mercy even when we don't deserve it. Lord, thank you for the example of Boaz. Um, that you are and what you represent in our hearts and our lives. And I pray, Lord, that you give us the wisdom as we go out this week to be representatives of you, that you would guide and direct us to help us to say the right things and to be the right places and to be the right example to the people around us. And we'll give you the honor and praise for what you do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.